Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome along to this Italian football podcast brought to you by TotalItalianFootball.com. We're all a little bit giddy because Vito Doria was singing. Vito, hello. How are you keeping? Oh, I'm all right. Much better than if we recorded the pod last night because I had a migraine, but I'm a lot better now. I can see you've had your coffee in as well. I've never had you. I've never I've never had the chance to try and catch you singing before the, the pod, but you escaped it. So well done. We've also got you and Burns, but you all know and recognize his laugh from the intro to the pod. Burnsy, hello, how are you? Hello, I'm okay. Lots of things have happened this evening. You've had a slightly stressful evening, more so than me. It wasn't too... Well, uh, the timing was horrendous. Uh, yeah. It, it was, overall, it was all right. We were in, as we, as we tend to be in pretty regular contact throughout the day, and I had a stressful late afternoon, early evening, and then a pleasant one after that, and yours went the opposite way. So apologies <laughs> for handing that energy over to you. And here to make everybody's evening a little bit worse is Kev Pugzelski. Hello, Kevin. How are you? I'm all right. I've had about a 13-hour day, so, yeah, I'm feeling a bit tired. That's all right. I would swear you usually have a longer than a 13-hour day. Well, it was 10 at the day job, and then... Three hours covering Juve, which feels like six always. So then you just double up on. How was that three hours? hours? Well, I had to sit down prep a little bit after. Oh, Post match quotes for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> listeners. Kev preps his articles. <laughs> <laughs> who knew? <laughs> None yeah, who of the editors. <laughs> I didn't know. Um, although I will say, I didn't have to edit too much this evening. So, congratulations. I was very pleased about that. It was just more fiddly bits that are nothing to do with you that kept me going. But that's not interesting to anybody, not even you. We are here to talk about match day 36 of this Serie A season, during which Juventus were again docked points, this time 10. So they are now back down out of the European places. Um, we'll get into that a little bit. We'll get into it a bit more probably on Patreon during the week because life's too short to spend time talking about that when there's actual football to talk about. So it all kicked off on Friday evening. Monza beat Sassuolo 2-1 in Reggio Emilia. Very pleased about that as a result. Didn't see it, so it didn't exist because I was at the Tardini for the last game of the regular Serie B season on Saturday, Bologna beat Cremonese 5-1, a result which all but relegated Cremonese. And emotions were running high in the Bologna camp, in the Bologna stands, because of what is currently happening in Emilia-Romagna, the the loss of life, the damage by ongoing floods um, really taking its toll on, on the region. So our thoughts continue to be extended to anyone affected by those. Atalanta beat Verona 3-1 in front of a closed Curva Nord. 
because of the racist abuse of Dusan Vlaovic recently. All of these games have little points to add to them. Olivier Giroud scored a hat-trick as Milan beat Samp 5-1, but the big story there was not the win. Sorry, Milan fans. It was Fabio Quagliarella obviously scoring for, I think, the 18th or 19th Serie A season in a row. Lecce Spezia was a game that both teams needed to win. Neither did it. Finished 0-0, and that relegated Cremonese for sure. Torino-Fiorentina was 1-1. Napoli beat Inter 3-1. Lazio beat Udinese 1-0 on the road. Roma Salernitana on Monday was 2-2. Antonio Candreva with a gorgeous gorgeous goal to open the scoring there and then Empoli beat Juventus 4-1 and yes listeners you have heard that right Empoli 4 Juventus 1 Kev there's not a better place to start than that is there you covered it for us um what on earth has gone on here yeah they they, they started um just terribly you know we we, we mentioned that the, the Points deduction that came out just ahead of kickoff. Um, it took about five ten minutes for the BT broadcasters to catch up, even though you and had alerted me to the ten point deduction a good twenty minutes before kickoff. But they were still discussing the potential points penalty um, a few minutes into the game, which <laughs> was you know making me laugh because you know you wonder how long it took for them to um, ping a text or something to Ian Dark, who was on commentary for BT Sport. Um, but they actually had a goal disallowed before, uh, for you know correctly because Bremer fouled the goalkeeper when they came out for the corner. But even then, they looked. It, it's hard because you're watching it, knowing about the points penalty. Be, you know, the broadcasters discussing it all the time. But there was there was something just off about their overall performance, as if they they'd given up. But I, I sort of sat there for the first few minutes, just. Constantly reminding myself that if because they play Milan next week, if they got a win here tonight, they would have been sort of two points behind them, and in a wonderful position to sort of pip them still to a Champions League place. Which, because of how badly they played last night, you know, I think that probably takes even more confidence that they're going to get six points for them two games. I do just have to jump in with the interjection that Juventus aren't going to be in the Champions League next season. It. If Juventus finish in the top four, they're not going to be in the Champions League next season. UEFA have been clear that not only are they opening an investigation, but they are going to take action against Juventus. Having spoken to people around Turin, there is almost a resignation to the fact that it doesn't matter what Juventus do this season, they're not going to be in Europe next season. And I'd agree with that. I don't see there being any way that UEFA allow them to play, given the offences we should probably still say alleged offences because it's being appealed and and all of that but there's not a chance and Brinsley we've probably complimented Juventus in a way that other people haven't been as keen to do so often this season in that you, you cannot fault how well Massimiliano Allegri has done in just getting his team focused on the job at hand particularly since this all came to a head back in November and there's a part of me that saw this scoreline tonight and after the immediate shock of thinking, hang on, what? I kind of thought, well, that actually makes sense, doesn't it? Because they've been fighting against it all season. In terms of the players, forget the off-field issues. These are the players who had little to do with, with what they're being punished for. You could, you can understand why, having got the points taken back off them again, they probably just thought, oh, maybe subconsciously, the effort level dropped because what's the point? 
Yeah, I mean, I can massively imagine that being the case. I think you have to be a human being for that to be the case. And the fact that while this yo-yoing of points and not points has happened, the fact that it's taken them from the top, from basically every time second or third to out of it and then back into it again and then out of it, that they are... They, they've done well enough to be in there, the players on the pitch. And, you know, what's happening isn't their fault. It's not Allegri's fault either. Um, and, you know, it's it's never fun and cool to praise Juve or their players. But they have done well under the circumstances. The, the fact that this has happened and it's it's only just taken them... It's, it's not even taken them out of the running. It's taken them out of the top four, but it's not taken them out of the running mathematically. Um like Kev says, you, you can still imagine them with the way things have been going for other teams. You can still imagine them getting up there. Um, I think it was James Horncastle also pointed out that the the timing of these decisions is like whether it's on purpose or not, we'll never know. But like this was just before the game, like like with it less than half an hour. I think within twenty minutes of kickoff that this happened, and. Uh, I'm going to say cruel. Like I say, we don't know if it's on purpose. It's probably not, but, but also they, they could hold on to that till the morning. <laughs> why should they? Because the yeah. the le- the people who are making this decision as like a legal group, they have no obligation to be nice to a sporting team. You know, like they're very separate things. Yeah, it's, I, I don't. I don't mean there's a right answer, but one thing that is right is that like. This this would adversely affect them in this game of football. The the timing of the decision will adversely affect them in this game of football. Then you know you can flip it around and say, okay, if you withhold it on purpose, then are you helping them yeah. in a, a sporting sense? But either way, for, for on a play for a player's level, that's really horrible to to get that news. I can't remember the exact timing of when the first thing happened, but um, I seem to remember from what someone was saying, it was it was quite similar. It wasn't far away from a game of football. Um, which, to be fair, we've never been far away from a game of football this season. Um, but yeah, I think for the players, I do genuinely feel for them a bit. Um, there's a lot of interest in talk about Allegri this evening because a lot of people wonder whether he'd just walk after the game, especially the way the game went. But he said that it would be cowardly after the game if he were to walk away now. And supposedly Juve have got no interest in sacking him, which it would be a bit weird if they did suddenly <laughs> in the middle of all of this, given it's their own cock up, not his. Kevin. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of discussion on on, on the British um, broadcast about whether the players would have been told, and that's very much sort of almost almost talking around whether it was a formal sort of discussion they'd have, but they wouldn't have needed to. That whole that whole area would have been sort of surrounded by people that would have heard it through their media channels, whether it's on you know on the on the pitch reporters or on the side of the pitch reporters. What do we call them? Anyway, you can tell by the it, crowd. Anyway, they figure it out. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> they they would they would have known, and I, I I think that that did definitely have an impact. I don't think you can say it didn't. Sorry, I was muting my mic. I was expecting that sentence to go on a little bit longer, but yeah, I, I think we'll we'll park that there and look at the, the football side of this because the narrative, I'm sorry, Vito, of Chicho Caputo scoring twice against Juventus. If you can park your Sampdoria allegiances given that it didn't quite work out for him with the Blue Cicchiati, Chicho Caputo is someone that I think we're all a fan of on this podcast and it's quite pleasant to see him getting two big goals like that even now. Oh, it is. 
I was disappointed with how he played at Sump, but I think Sump's problems definitely go beyond him. He showed in his first spell at Empoli what a lethal striker can be. And when he was at Sassuolo under De Zerbi, he was a, a fantastic finisher and he really looked like he he deserved his uh, call-up to the Italian national team even at his age. I think going back to Empoli is ideal for him at this stage because he provides experience and they do have a lot of youngsters, even though Tommaso Baldanzi has gone to the Under-20 World Cup with Italy. So to have him there is great for them. And uh, assuming he stays at Empoli next season, I think uh, Empoli should fancy themselves of achieving survival again. What is the story, Bronzy? I'll ask you with this. What is the story with the Under-20 World Cup? Why is it happening now? Do you know? Because I can't work out why they'd start it during... A season that's still ongoing no it, it has struck me as a bit odd because you know like uh, actually incidentally you've had a, a few players go um i think Mathieu sule has gone somebody else inter had a few gone who have had a bit of involvement um all i know about it is that italy did they, they beat brazil didn't they last yes. night um three two which is nice cesare casade was very good apparently um the guy who went to Chelsea and has not been seen since. I didn't really expect to see him immediately at Chelsea. Um, but no, I don't know why it's happening at this time because you just you'd assume it'd be in about a month's time, wouldn't you? Yeah. So I don't know if it's maybe something to do with the Women's World Cup, maybe in a, a oh possibly clash. yeah. I don't know if, um, there's there's so much going on all the time that I suppose inevitably you're going to have to upset some people, aren't you? But yeah, you know, say Empoli had. What are they on now? 42. It's a bit of a jump. Oh, no. say, say they had oh, 10, no. 10 less points. There's maths going <laughs> they, on on the pod. <laughs> but say they had 10 less points and they were in that mix and then suddenly Baldanzi is gone. Well, I can if but I he, just he's, he's probably been their best player all season. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I think there are players going to this who are of an age, you know, some 19-year-olds can be crucial to some teams. That You know, that does happen. Um you know, 20-year-olds, whatever. Um, and it could have been a bit risky. I imagine in the leagues elsewhere, there, there must be a team somewhere that's been quite shafted in an yeah. important position like this. You would think. You would think. Um, any final thoughts on Juve or Empoli, for that matter? No, but uh, can I just confirm that it's because the Under-20 World Cup was moved from Indonesia? I wasn't confident enough what to say that, that before with... Googling it. So what does why, that have to do with when, that... when it is? But well, it's because they've had to schedule it around uh, the Argentinian fixtures or whatever. It was part of the agreement. It's just asked me it. more questions that I don't expect you to answer to. But then why move it somewhere that they have to accommodate for? Like, so is it in Argentina now? Then? Well, yeah. I think they only they only had certain yeah. people that well, probably one person that wanted to actually host it. I like the idea of Argentina <laughs> being a person. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Vito, yeah. you wanted I've to jump space. in before we moved on. Yes, just on the Empoli coach, Paolo Zanetti, uh, I think it's a big mm. change from last season. After struggling with Venezia and the constant turnover of the squad there, at least at Empoli, he's had some stability and he's achieved the uh, survival with the Tuscan club. So big change for him and this perhaps sets him up for a better Serie A coaching career ahead of him. You're quite right to point out Zanetti's work there because he has quietly done a decent job, even if Empoli are one of the more unfashionable clubs and partly, I'd imagine, 
partly <laughs> to the reasons our listeners might think it's because I moan about the Castellani at any given opportunity. But there you go. Napoli into 3-1. Now, this was fun, Ewan. I don't care what you say. I enjoyed this one. Yeah, it, this was a very bizarre game to sort of think about beforehand because on the one hand, you're like, oh, Napoli into fantastic. And then you're like, oh, actually, I, I'm not sure I care <laughs> because Napoli not only yeah. won the league, but also they'd, they'd started not being as great to watch. You know, they started dropping points a bit, which fair enough. Um, but then obviously, you know, Inter needed the points and they've been playing well. But then Gagliardini changed the game. What? Right. And not in a good way. Are you Are you faulting him? Well, I, I'm not talking about the specifics of the incident. So I'm just saying he got sent off and it changed the game. <laughs> um, I have I have seen the incidents, but I can't remember them. It, it didn't stick in my head. I wasn't was he hard done by? I wasn't. See, I was at a bar watching this. So you you do not see things as clearly as you want when you're at a bar and you're a couple of pints in. But I do <laughs> remember thinking... A second yellow seemed harsh. I thought it was just like a clean tackle where he played the ball. Can somebody shed more light on that? Because I didn't think it was a booking. Nobody's jumping I in. Think the ref just, I think the ref just wanted to give him a second yellow. There was an there was apparently in a fence that was uh, probably more harsh, but he was a bit reluctant to get the yellow out. So then after a while, he decided, yeah, I'll send Galliardini off. That's enough. <laughs> me just getting the conspiracy <laughs> theories in come on you've, you've gone from silence to conspiracy theory within, within 10 seconds <laughs> yeah I like that let's get any other conspiracy theories what no that's dangerous given what's happened today um, yeah. <laughs> Bernsey I will ask you though what is your favourite Italian football conspiracy theory favourite I hate them all <laughs> right they're all annoying what's the first one that comes to your mind um, well, I suppose anything to do with Calciopoli, basically. Yeah, and any of the many ones that exist in different layers within that, they, they they all appear at once. Change the question for Kev. What is your favorite Italian football controversy, Kev? Uh, well, the one that springs to mind rather than favorite is the the Ronaldo penalty when in, Inter were denied that sort of championship with him. Mm. You know, the the original. Should we it's say? a good one. Yeah. That is a good one. And Vito, I'll ask the same question to you that I asked the Kev. What's your favourite Italian football controversy? Uh, look, uh, along the similar lines of Kev, but yeah, just any time Juventus um, get a favourable refereeing call, you just see, you know, all the keyboard warriors online just say, oh, you, the sister favours Juve, Juve's rigged this, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. All that stuff, Uh I think it's comical in its own way. I think it's just an easy excuse to look at the effects at people's own teams, to be honest. My favourite thing about the Juventus controversies are echoed in in Spanish football, where everybody thinks that referees either love Real Madrid and hate Barcelona or the other way around, and both of those things cannot be true, so it's probably neither. Um, mm. I like the Juventus one because people feel so strongly on both sides about that. The reality is probably none of them. But my favorite conspiracy theory was, do you guys remember a game back in 2015 when Torino hosted Empoli at the Stadio Olimpico Grande Torino? And Vito's going to know what I'm talking about quickly enough. He shook his head. And wait, (laughs) wait. And in the Torino goal was a certain Daniele Padelli. 
and a back pass was played to him from left back and he tried to play a pass from the left of his six yard box to the right fullback and just put it into his own goal and it's one of the best out goals I've ever seen to the point where I had to explain to people all weekend when that happened back home in Ireland. It's not match fixing. He's genuinely just that bad of a goalkeeper. If you've not seen it, listeners, I urge you to to seek that one out because it is brilliant. Um, there's an idea for off-season podcasts, by the way, for Patreon. If people want to go to patreon.com slash football. <laughs> Bernsey, you're watching it now. Found it. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that one. I just forgot who it was. It is good, isn't it? It's one of it the just helps it on. It's one of the all-time great on goals. And speaking of good goals, we need to talk about Giovanni Di Lorenzo, Kev, because whoo, that wasn't bad for his bad foot, was it? No, it it went right in the corner. He couldn't have walked up with his hands and put it in a nicer place. No, from the angle where the TV, the, you know, the main camera. For TV viewers is on the side where the benches are. You almost got that curl, that the way the ball rolls along the net on that yeah. on that side. Um, I'm thinking now that Anana didn't dive for it, which would have no. made it slightly better. But, um... but I I generally agree. But Onana did one of those things where a goalkeeper just knows. Ah, oh, it yeah, wasn't just no that he didn't dive. Good. He like went and he was like. There's also an element of hope that he thinks that that's going over, but I think it, think? it, it, it dips at just the right time. You know, it's got it's got that perfect arch that it comes down as well as it's coming in. Um, but yeah, unlike yeah, unusual to see it from Di Lorenzo's um, weaker left foot. Yeah, he's such a good player, Brent, isn't he? And we've probably mentioned that at times throughout the season, but I don't think it's spoken about enough. I think we could speak about it every week, and it still wouldn't be enough. But but Giovanni Di Lorenzo is one of the is he an unsung hero? Probably. He probably is, isn't he, in this title win? Because everybody talks about Kim at the back, Kvaraschelia and Ossiman up top and Lobotka in the middle. But good God, Di Lorenzo's important. Yeah, he's in that next level of the ladder, isn't he, in terms of the most important people. In the... I, 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 I think in he's on that same line. level, though. Has there been a better right back this season? Well, I mean, perception-wise. We're all just shouting now. Sorry, Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, I don't mean his actual contribution. I think they're, they're almost all level, but perception-wise, there's the mm. three you said are sort of the, the names. And then I'd have Di Lorenzo, Rachmani, Zielinski, probably on that next level. Maybe Chuck Lozano in there as well. Um, but that that was his third Serie A goal this season. I feel like he's got more. Like obviously, he must have picked up a couple more. In, there was one big one uh, in the Champions, Champions League. League whatever. Yeah, but I mean, three, three for a right back is you know a right back in a four mm-hmm. is good anyway and he's just such a threat it's brilliant and the importance of the goals to score against inter off the top of my head he also scored one of his three was against Salernitana. i can't think of the other one now but it was that Salernitana game not that one but napoli were struggling <laughs> a little bit and i think he opened the scoring in what was a 2-0 win maybe um yeah i think i did that one important important player uh patrick hendrick friend of the pod is obviously his number one fan so it's nice that every time he does something i'm guaranteed to see at least two tweets both from patrick about how good di lorenzo is although i did see that people get wound up with him or buy him this week because he as a joke made a cafu reference before and now people are keen to bring it up every time he does something (laughs) obviously being twitter users not understanding 
humour. But there's no surprises there, given our pre-pod chats, is there? Um, what shall we move on to now? Do we need to talk about Milan beating Sam 5-0? Because it feels a little bit cruel to Vito. It was quite a sorry game of football. Well, you and I, <laughs> we discussed this, didn't we? We both did reports for different places. And then it was only afterwards that you pointed out we both used sorry Samp in our headlines. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Which feels cruel. Speaks hideous the, volumes. <laughs> the, the Simpsons meme, like, stop, stop, he's already dead. It does feel like we're <laughs> flogging a dead horse, doesn't it? I was really angry at Milan in this game. The, the place I was doing it for, I had to do the goal videos, which is like a very swift, quite stressful task. Right. And they kept doing the goals in batches. It was re- they, they, they wouldn't do a goal every 20 I've minutes. I've spoken to they, you they about do this. They do two in a minute. Stop saying do goals. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late now. It's, it's, it's done. <laughs> Deal with it. Um, yeah, it kept on, like, they just kept scoring in little two-minute segments. It was really annoying. So while they were quite impressive. I mean, look, they, they were impressive. It is relevant. I'm sorry, Vito, but it is relevant to say it's this Samp team that, you know, this Samp team is awful and they're already down and they're playing like they're already down. Um, the the Quagliarella goal came out of absolutely nowhere. Um, it was very good work by uh, Zanoli, but, you know, play-wise, it came out of nothing. Um, and then, you know, a lot, of, a lot of Milan fans, but also other people, um, we're sort of saying, oh yeah, yeah, great, but it's Samp. So like, yeah, okay, cool, but you know, Milan just got knocked out of the Champions League by Inter. Like, you, you, you're home to Samp at the weekend. All you can do is go and win it, and they won it five-one. Like, you, you have to be quite happy with that, surely. But it's Samp. Don't care. It's five <laughs> goals. Everyone should enjoy five goals. I've, I'm gonna bet the man I'm going to next didn't enjoy the five goals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just looked like a like a training session or a walking procession, just the sump were making up the motions. Um, you know, at least Giroud, Leo and Brian Diaz had great games on their part. But um, um, off the field, there might be a bit of light at the end of the tunnel for some. By the way, things are going. The lead owner, Andrea Radrizzani, is in discussions to purchase the club and... It looks like May 29 is the crucial date as to whether Sump, you know, stay in existence or creditors decide that the club has to fall for bankruptcy. So it looks like got to keep an eye on Radrizzani while the Lille owner or investor, uh, Alessandro Barnaba, he's also been linked with an acquisition. And funnily enough, apparently the former Sump president, Eduardo Garone, who had sold the club to Pereiro, <laughs> could be linked with the Barnaba bid. So, yeah, next seven days should be very interesting for the Blucerciati faithful. Vito, a quick question. If if anybody was, was listening to this podcast who wasn't necessarily familiar with exactly what's going on at Sampdoria, is there an article on some really good Italian football website that was written by maybe a Sampdoria fan in Australia earlier this season that explains exactly what's going on? Yes, no. I go to total-italianfootball.com to read my article about uh, the latest happenings at Sampdoria, especially within the last year or so. So that can tell you a bit on what's been going on lately with Lanna, Marco Lanna being the president, whereas Ferrero is still the owner despite being forced to resign 
18 months ago. Yeah, because I do find the Sam case is a, is a bit of a messy one. There's a lot of names been about. There's a lot of re- re- reoccurring names and faces. And it is kind of difficult at times to work out who's who and why they're relevant. But the article you did on the site, we'll, we'll pop it back near the top, actually, this week. So people will head over and have a look because it is very, very good and clearly explains what's going on. And given what's happening this week, Vito, we might get you on something to just add that recency to it, too. But anyway, what else do we need to talk about, Ewan? Well, Nemanja Matic scored what I think is possibly the least viewed goal by a set of people who were watching the game ever, because it happened about two minutes after the Juve news dropped. So obviously, <laughs> if, if, if anyone did what I did, which was, was covering Roma and then immediately ignore the game for all the rest of it, what because you had to quickly do the Juve thing instead. What's a niche audience, that, isn't that people who were covering Roma and Juventus at the same time? Well, or, or or just watching it and then spent the next 10 minutes on Twitter instead or whatever. Because I was very much bashing away at the Juve thing, trying to make sure I was getting it right. And then I glanced up and Matic slam on in. Um, and it all just got a bit horrible. <laughs> the That kind of news doesn't lend itself to being written up while there's something of interest going on, does it? Because you do need to be very careful with what you say in those kind of articles. Because yeah. people are very litigious and they come knocking. <laughs> they'll sue you yes. <laughs> um, particularly some of the people involved there so it's an interesting <laughs> one but I think you did well well uh, I mean the, the, the Roma report took, <laughs> took much of a backseat yeah. <laughs> that, that, that had less detail that, that suffered well there you go um, shouldn't get sued over that Roma just keep dropping points don't they yeah it was crap it, it was utterly dire 22 um, shots yeah, don't know when. Five on target. <laughs> was, was, was that 22 all for Roma? Uh, 22 for Roma, yeah. Um, Salonitana had no, eight of their wrong. own. <laughs> I, I'd have genuinely put the numbers the other way around, I think. Um, it was just... I mean, you look at the starting lineup. Ed, Eduardo Bove was in a back three because Mancini pulled out before the game. He was on the bench, but he couldn't play. Um, so you had Smalling, Ibanez and... A young midfielder who's not massive, like, you know, he's been in the team quite a bit, but he's not an experienced player. And I've never seen him at centre back. Um, at the back, you had a midfield two of Maddie Camera, who is a fringe player at best, who disappeared earlier in the season because Marino didn't want to use him. Um, and Benjamin Tahirovic, who, you know, seems decent, but he's a kid who's not played that much. It's they, they so badly need players <laughs> in the summer. Um, and they're not blessed with the finances to bring players. They in. have been absolutely ravaged by injury as well this season, though, haven't they? Like more well, than everybody. Yeah, like the the starting eleven is probably just about a top four starting yeah, I'd eleven. Agree. But the the you know the frequency with which it's played together, it basically never has. Because ideally, you'd have Vinaldum in there, so that's half the season where it never has more than half the season. And then by the time he's come back, Dybala's been out for most of it. Abraham's been out a fair bit as well. Various others have as well. Um, but it's it's the drop-off. The drop-off is massive. When you when you take out three, maybe four players from the starting eleven, it, it massively falls away. Kevin, Atalanta are still alive in the Champions League chase. They probably won't do it. They're three points off Milan now, but a 3-1 win over Verona means that they're not out of it. No, but very much thanks to a goalkeeping howler to get Pasalic to go Relentless, in Relentless, brilliant 
pressing harrowing Rio Pasolic. Yeah, it's one of those where if you're, you know, sorry, I flipped to I flipped to Verona here because they needed, you know, we spoke about on the preview pod that they needed the they needed the points this week because they've got Milan last game of the season. They're um, going down. But, sorry, Richard Hoff, but I'm glad to see the back of them if they go down. But the um, with the Juventus deduction today, obviously it does put put Atlanta in a really sort of interesting position again. Just a a win away from Milan, who have got Juventus this week. Um, this is where I don't have the speed of fingers to look at the head to head and work out whether Atalanta will. Milan have it. Okay, so they'd need a little bit extra, but if they can get themselves on equal points with Milan by the final week of the week of the season, then there's just that that little glimmer of hope for for Ladea. Yeah, well, Milan need to not win either any of the last two, and Atalanta need to win both of their last two. If Milan lose two games, a win and a draw does it for Atalanta. Um, that is not going to happen because Atalanta play Inter next and they won't win. And then they play Monza and they won't. I don't think Atalanta win another match this season is what I'm trying to say. Um, Hoyland got a good goal though, so check it out. What are we going to talk about next? What is next? We have done that. Lazio, 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 Lazio. They're in the Champions League next season, confirmed. Um, Because of the Juventus news, basically, I think, isn't it? That, that went a long way to... to no. Yes. Yeah, that, that that mathematically sorted them. Yeah. How did that happen? They're seven ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah, caught me off guard. They would have been, been four. I only noticed, um, yeah, okay, sorry, I'm being silly. Yeah, it was Alistair McKenzie's tweet that alerted me to it and made me pop it in because, mm. you know, I believe it or not, I didn't quickly look at Lazio. <laughs> there you go. Kev, Lazio being back in Champions League, are you happy? Uh, yeah, I think it mixes it up a little. You know, there's... I think Italy's one of the... Countries where Champions League seen, you know, different teams over the last few years, which you don't get from other areas. Where but, is uh, that police siren? Not mine, thankfully. Not me. Right, Bernsey. Well, when that happens, meet your microphone, please. How on earth was I meant to know that was going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's doing it again. Police cars do come past at some speed, so I give him a little bit of credit for not being able to. Mute it. No, um, I'm not saying he should have predicted it, but he should have reacted quicker than me asking <laughs> who where it was. I've got headphones on. I didn't hear it until he pointed it out. <laughs> I I had the misfortune of getting back in time for this to be the only game I saw live <laughs> <laughs> over, over, over the weekend. Um, and I think uh, Chiro Mobile dropping to his knees at the final whistle to celebrate. One nil goal, one nil goal, one nil win with a sort of penalty um, goal says it all, really. And, and Udinese had a had a goal ruled out, I think, for the push, um, which I I just don't recall seeing when I looked back at the the highlights, see if I missed anything else that that happened because I kind of just slowly drifted away from the game. But I think if Roma don't make it, having another Rome club. In the Champions League next season uh, is a positive for the city. Uh, Alistair uh, will be happy. Not with me making that noise, he won't be. He'll be kicking off. Alistair, if you're listening. <laughs> 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 my favourite my favorite thing about Alistair McKenzie is 
If you ever meet him for a drink, listeners, <laughs> guarantee you, within 10 minutes, he'll be moaning about how people talk about Lazio. <laughs> and I've just done it there. Every time I've met him, it's gone on to that without me prompting it in any way. Alistair, I love you. And it's very funny that that is the case. Um, Kev, has he done that with you? I you think know. he did, yeah. He's probably... <laughs> Is he probably the most tribalistic of any of our writers? <laughs> oh, <Yeah. laughs> that's a good question. We haven't. Well, I suppose Mickey... Vito, Vito's quite Vito's Vito quite defensive on Samp, so yeah, they'd have to have a they'd have to have a, a, a fan off. <laughs> yeah, I... I met Alistair four years ago, and you know, I thought did you know you? he was a great guy to hang out with. Yeah, Where? in uh, Rome. Were you um, in Rome before... when you did that trip? Yeah, when uh, Italy played Greece for the Euro 2020 qualifications, I went to the game. He was covering it. I was there as a spectator, but we caught up beforehand. I, I've heard the dog now, and I'm pleased that it's made an appearance. I remember <laughs> you being in Milan, and obviously I met you in both of those places, but yes. I didn't realize you were also in Rome. Yeah, towards the very end of the trip. Oh, lovely. Yeah, because you didn't... Right, this isn't interesting. But you came to Italy, left, and came back to Italy. Is that correct? Um, something like that. Okay, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, I studied in Mil- studied in general. Went to Milan. Went to a few other cities. Then eventually went my way back to Milan. Then flew back to Australia. Okay, right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, before we move on, I do just want to point people in the direction of Serie B because the regular season has come to an end with with a lot of fun actually. And the playoffs are now decided. Um, I was at the Tardini the other day for Parma's late win over Venezia, which, when you look at the table, didn't seem to matter. But if you read the article I wrote on total-italianfootball.com, you'll see that it did matter because it meant that Parma finished fourth, which means that they go directly into the playoff semifinals. Now, the six teams in the playoff will make you a little bit happy because there's some weird names. There's some old familiar names. They are Cagliari, Venezia, Sutirol, Regina, Bari, and Parma. Like, there's a lot of nostalgia there. Sutirol, I-, I forgive you if you instinctively said who when I read them out, and you're right to say who because this is currently their first ever season in Serie B. If you look at the name, you'll see it's weird. It's got an umlaut on it, and that's because they are from Bolzano in Trentino Alto Adige. And they're the first team from that region to ever play in Serie B. And now they might be going to Serie A, which is a lot of fun. Um, and for fans of defensive, restrictive, not easy on the eye football, they are the team for you because that's what they're all about. But basically, the playoffs, we've got preliminary rounds, which sees Cagliari against Venezia and Sutirol versus Regina. Then the winner of Sutirol Regina will play Bari and the winner of Cagliari Venezia will play Parma. Um, the preliminary round is a one-off game. The semi-finals are two-legged. What I love most about Serie B playoffs, though, is that if it's level after... In the one-off game, if it's level after 120 minutes. In the two-legged fixtures, if it's level after extra time of the second leg, obviously. There are no penalty shootouts because the reward goes to the team who finished higher in the table, which I'm a big fan of. And they also get the reward of playing the second legs at home so a reminder of the teams we're gonna have one of Cagliari, Venezia, Sutirol, Regina, Bari or Parma in Serie A next season Burnsy which of those six do you want to come up uh, I mean 
I would Say like. It. <laughs> Say it. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I'd like to see Valencia back, but uh, Suterol is more interesting. It's Suterol <laughs> is the most interesting one. There's no two ways around that. Wrong. I think Vito. Barry maybe third. Right, I'll allow that one. <laughs> Vito, who would you like to see up in Serie A next season? Regina, at least oh. you get a representative from Calabria. Guys, you let me down. Kev, who would you like to see in Serie A next season? Remember that you're trying to organise trips. I'd like to see Bari. For fuck's sake. <laughs> I want a trip down there. He wants us all to say Calgary. Parma, Parma, Parma. <laughs> come on. They're going to come back up. They're not. I, I genuinely do not think they deserve to be back up. And I'm concerned for them if they do come back up. But they're moving the right way. Um, I want Barry or Parma up. Parma for obvious selfish reasons. Um, and Barry because, well might actually move there if they've got a Serie A team. So that would be pleasant. You could get a Pullian derby possibly uh, as well if Lecce do stay up. I c- and they hate each other. Like, mm. in the forget football. The people from those places hate each other. Like Parma Reggio, like Brescia Bergamo. Brescia Bergamo is a bit tame actually away I from I saw football. a lot of, there's a lot of t-shirts at the Lecce game I went to where they were making it abundantly clear that that they wouldn't like what I just said about it being a Pullian derby. It was they were very angry t-shirts. Oh really? <laughs> it was all like, yeah. There was one. It said, um, "I'm not Italian. I'm not Pugliese. I'm Salentino. Salentino." Yeah, yeah, I knew where I was um, going. <laughs> and quite a few people had the same t-shirt. Right. Fair enough. But let's hope. I'm annoyed actually because Parma's game, their second leg of their semi-final is going to be played at home when I'm probably not going to be in Parma, which is fucking annoying because I'm always here. And then they've got a big game and I'm not going to be here for it. So what can you do? But we'll see. Um, anything else of note in Serie A? Cremonese got relegated. Genoa promoted with Frosinone. <laughs> Why are you laughing at that? <laughs> Just I feel like in, in other circumstances, that would be like more than a footnote that almost got left out that a team got relegated. I'll ask but... you all. Do you care? They've, they've been they've been anonymous. <laughs> they they didn't win a match until the last day of February. But then they they they've won four. The thing is, they've been okay. Wow. Like even before they were losing, they were putting up fights against the bigger teams. So I was happy to see them up, but I'm not sad to see them go again because I don't like their kit, and that'll do it for me. To be honest, shame for Charles Pickle though. Yeah, he'll get a move, won't he? I'll have a word with someone at Parma and see if they'll sign him so at least if he's not in Serie A he'll be here um, and I'll be his friend yeah that'll work do you think I could be That's friends with Charles Pickle we've we resolved I that I would not be able to be his friend because I just keep asking him Charles say your name say your name <laughs> don't, don't pretend that you call him Charles Mr Pickle <laughs> say your name yeah. <laughs> Charlie Pickle Um. anyway what <laughs> <laughs> oh god the other games were a bit meh weren't they do we well there was there was Lecce Spezia which could have been and good, it was the, the worst game I've seen this <laughs> it was offensively bad everybody was too afraid to lose that neither of them tried to win yeah nobody wanted to be there nope. fans included I think it did feel like there was a point where they realised oh, if we just draw Cremonese get relegated, which means there's less of a chance that we get relegated because there's only one more place to play for and we fancy ourselves because neither of us are in. And let's just do that out of fear. Um, not suggesting that actually happened before anyone starts crying. 
But anyway, I think we can leave it there. We're not talking about one, so you can do one. Um, any objections? <laughs> Thank you. Who wants us to? Well behaved. <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Anyway, we'll be back for or, or what will we be back for? The Women's Football Podcast is coming on patreon.com slash football. Bernsey and I are recording that on Tuesday, which is the 24th of May, I think. And then the Serie A preview pod is coming on Friday. We'll chat a bit about the Coppa Italia final in that. We're not going to do a special recording for it, but we will squeeze it into that as well. So you get a full pod on Friday. Um, if you're not a patron, that's okay. We don't like you as much, but you'll hear from us again next week. And if you want to change that, just two euro a month or five or ten, but you can do it for just two euro a month. And I think last week we did four bonus podcasts, if not five, which is silly behavior. But anyway, that'll do it. Kev, say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Vito, say ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Bernsey. Bye. What was that?